Hello, and welcome to The Context. My name is Scott Pruitt, and I'm an anchor with News China. With our podcast, we aim to provide insight into the current trends of modern China, allowing you to clearly see what's happening today through a historical lens. Today, we'll introduce you to the father of China's railroad, John Tinyo, who was chief designer of the first railway designed and built exclusively by Chinese engineers and brought advanced engineering to China by designing 14 railroads during his 31-year career. During the first half of March, China held the biggest annual event on its political calendar, the so-called Two Sessions, which consistently attract a lot of international attention. The Two Sessions refer to the annual meetings of the National People's Congress, the country's top legislature, and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, the country's top political advisory body. And all that attention is well-placed because every year the event offers important clues about the direction China is taking in terms of domestic modernization, industrial innovation, and international relations. During this year's two sessions, Zhao Hongwei, a national political advisor and chief researcher of the China Academy of Railway Sciences, revealed that China would soon unveil CR-450, an advanced bullet train with a top operating speed of 400 kilometers per hour and an experimental speed of up to 450 kilometers per hour. Currently, high-speed rail crisscrosses the country at just over 300 kilometers per hour, which is already impressive enough. In fact, China's railway system, particularly the high-speed railway network, has seen rapid development over the past 15 years. By the end of last year, China's railway network covered 155,000 kilometers, of which 42,000 kilometers were high-speed railways, accounting for more than two-thirds of the world's high-speed railways and ranking first in terms of scale. But looking back down the tracks to about a century ago, the Chinese iron rooster would not have been seen huffing or puffing, if not for the unremitting efforts of one man in particular. John Tianyo, lovingly known as the father of China's railroad. Zhang Tianyo was born into a tea merchant's family in 1861 in Guangzhou of South China's Guangdong province. His father sent him to the best schools in the hope that he would succeed in the imperial examination. But as a young boy, Zhang seemed to be more interested in modern machines than ancient classics. He was often seen examining the inner workings of small clocks and ship models. At the age of 11, he was qualified as part of the Chinese educational mission to be sent to study in the United States. The Chinese educational mission was the brainchild of Rong Hong, who in 1854 was the first Chinese to have graduated from an American university. This pioneering program was launched at a time of crisis for the Qing government. At that time, it had been severely weakened not only by predatory foreign powers, but also by domestic turmoil caused by the Taiping Rebellion, a peasant revolt that lasted 14 years, eventually altering the fortune of the dynasty. 
The program planned to send 30 students per year for four consecutive years from 1872 to 75. The young men were to receive an American education from middle school through college in order to contribute to China's modernization upon their return. John arrived in Connecticut in 1872 as a student in the first group. He lived with a Christian host family and entered a local primary school. In the United States, these young boys adapted themselves quickly. They dressed in the same way as the Americans, excelled in academics, and did well in sports as well as their social life. They were also exposed to every kind of modern marvel, from steamships to streetcars. But as Lyle Leibowitz and Matthew Miller put it in their book, Fortunate Sons, while the boys' chaperones hoped to show them the city, all the boys wanted to do was look at the trains, which they called fire car roads. His experience seeing America's railroads left a lasting impression on John, who chose to major in civil engineering with a focus on railroad construction when he was admitted to Yale University in 1878. In 1881, the Qing government ordered an abrupt recall of the Chinese educational mission, calling for the immediate return of all students. The early recall was partly due to rising anti-Chinese sentiment in the United States, and partly from opposition to the program from conservative officials within the Qing government, who were angered by the American lifestyle of those so-called fortunate sons. At the time of the recall, 43 students were in college, among whom 20 were at Yale, while others were at Harvard, MIT, and Columbia. John was one of only two of these students who received his bachelor's degree a couple of months before the recall. The other was Ouyang Gung, who later became the first Chinese ambassador to Chile. Conservatives in the Qing government insisted that these young returnees must be re-educated to correct their unorthodox lifestyle. For instance, they were inclined to wear Western suits instead of traditional Chinese robes, and their hair was cut short instead of wearing the traditional long pigtail that was mandated throughout the Qing dynasty. Therefore, they were assigned to positions that didn't require the knowledge they had obtained from their overseas education. Most were simply sent to the newly formed Imperial Navy to be retrained as sailors. John was first sent to learn ship piloting and then to teach English to sailors. It was not until seven years later that John could finally work as a railroad engineer. As Hong Kong-based railway historian Peter Crush writes in Imperial Railways of North China, In 1880, China still had no railways and was some 40 years behind Europe, America, and many other small countries, which collectively had thousands of kilometers of railway lines. In 1888, Li Hongzhang, Governor General of the capital province Zhili, which is the present-day Hebei province that surrounds Beijing, decided to construct a railway that would link the port of Tianjin to the coal mines of Tangshan. He hired British engineer Claude W. Kinder as chief engineer. Through connections with his old schoolmates, John managed to join Kinder's team as an intern engineer. He soon demonstrated his capabilities and was promoted to engineer, and then district engineer. His use of pneumatic caissons in constructing the piers for the Lanha River Bridge enabled him to become the first Chinese member of the British Institution of Civil Engineers in 1894. The railway John worked on was later extended to become the beijing Shenyang Line, he spent 12 years on various sections of that line before moving on to his signature work, the Beijing Jiangjiakou Line. 
At the turn of the 20th century, various foreign powers were busy building railways in their various spheres of interests. The French were constructing the Yunnan Haiphong Line in southwest China. The British were building the Kowloon-Kenton Line in south China. Meanwhile, the Russians and Japanese laid railways across Manchuria as they vied for supremacy in northeast China. The Qing government was keen to establish technological independence by building its own railroads. In 1905, it decided to build a railroad between Beijing and Zhangjiakou, an important military stronghold and trade center about 206 kilometers to the north. As this railway would be of strategic importance, the decision was made to build the railway without any foreign assistance. Funding would be totally from the Qing government, and no foreign engineers were to be hired. John was appointed as chief engineer of the project. At first, many were skeptical that the Chinese would be able to build a railroad all by themselves in those mountainous areas with complicated topography, but John and his Chinese colleagues overcame a series of technical problems and completed its construction well under budget and two years ahead of schedule in 1909. For instance, to overcome the steep gradient near Qinglong Chao, he included a zigzag section of switchbacks. To overcome the shortage of power, he employed the use of two locomotives, one pulling from the front and another pushing from the rear. To accelerate the construction of a long tunnel, he had a vertical shaft drilled in the middle to double the number of personnel that could work simultaneously. John's fame and prestige expanded with the completion of the Beijing Zhangjiakou line. In 1910, John returned to his hometown in Guangzhou and became the general manager and chief engineer of the railroad between Guangzhou and Wuchang in central China's Hubei province. With the overthrow of the Qing dynasty in the 1911 revolution, John served as a high-ranking official in the Ministry of Communications of the newly established Republic of China. He continued to oversee all manners of engineering mega-projects across the country and played an important role in establishing technical standards for the nation's railway system. John earned a good income but had little savings partly because he was devoted to philanthropy, donating generously to local schools, hospitals, and charities. In 1914 and 15, when Guangdong province was hit by severe flooding, he set up a disaster relief association and spearheaded the donations, which was widely revered by the public. John passed away in 1919 at the age of 58. He was buried at the Qinglong Chao Railway Station, where the Beijing Zhangjiakou Railway crossed the Badaling section of the Great Wall north of Beijing. A museum was established nearby in 1987 to commemorate his contributions to the design and building of 14 railroads during his 31-year career as the father of China's railroad. The tracks laid down by John and his colleagues along the beijing Zhangjiakou line were in use for more than a century, a testament to the quality of their work. In 2019, the line was replaced with a 174-kilometer-long high-speed railway that connects Beijing with Zhangjiakou in 47 minutes. The new line provided important transportation support for connecting the three venues in the two host cities during the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. As the world's first high-speed railway on which self-driving trains can reach speeds of up to 350 kilometers per hour, 
The upgraded lines run parallel to the old Beijing Jiangjiakou Railway. A respectful salute to the nation's pioneers who strove for technical independence. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Our theme music is by the famous film score composer Rock Chun. We want to thank our writer Yu Wei Tao, translator Yang Guang, and copy editor Pu Ren. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please tell a friend so they too can understand the context. <laughs>